All right, First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four says, "Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it." And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's pray. Father, we open up your word this evening, and we know, Lord, it is your handwritten letter to us. And because of that, Lord, anything that we want to know in life is given to us right here in this book. And there's a lot of us that are going through some confusing times. Some of us, maybe not, but others of us, we're really not sure how to move out of apathy or just the rut. We're stuck. And we pray, Lord, that you would use this night to get us out of that. That we would run with the prize in our eyes. We'd chase that crown. We'd have that determination. Knowing, Lord, that you will withhold no good thing from those that walk uprightly. That you have plans for us. You have a future and a hope for every single person here. No matter if they believe in you yet or not. Lord, we entrust our lives to you. And we pray that you speak to us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we all said... Amen. Here you have Paul the Apostle, um, wrote most of the New Testament. This guy, he was, as you guys know, he was walking on the road to Damascus to go kill Christians. And then Jesus Christ met him on that road and blinded him. He just had this crazy thing happen to him where this, whether you believe in, in Jesus or not, something happened to this man in history where this guy, Paul the Apostle, uh, who's a historical person, completely changed his life, went in an opposite direction. Previously, he was killing Christians, and now he, he was a Christian. And now he was preaching the very message that he would throw people in prison or stone for. So, a lot of people didn't even trust Paul at first. Like, alright, this guy was just killing us, we were running away from him, and now he's on our team. How, how does this make sense? And what Paul had to go through are some of the things that we'll never have to go through. He was shipwrecked three times. He was bitten by a snake, a poisonous snake. People thought he was going to die. He didn't die. And then people started worshiping him because they thought maybe he's God or something. Um, he was beaten, stoned, flogged. All these crazy things happened to Paul. But you know what he said? He said, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. That I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry that he received from the Lord Jesus, which is to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He ran his race, not being like, oh, woe is me, I'm, I'm running around and I'm, I'm trying so hard to preach this message that I, I despised before and all of a sudden now it's convicted me and I guess I have to do, I guess I have to go to church, I guess I have to preach and I have to do all these things. He didn't think that. He said, this race is an awesome race. It's a good race. It's a joyful race. How many of us are looking at our lives in that way? Those of us that call ourselves Christians, that have been walking with the Lord for a little bit. How many of us are walking that race with joy? 
looking at my life and then looking at this scripture, I've been convicted and that's why I'm excited to share some of these things with you. But Paul likens the Christian life to a race. And to the Corinthian church, this made sense. They would actually hold these games called the is the if I can't even pronounce it the Isthmian Games. I've never heard of them before, but apparently they're second in prestige to the Olympic Games that they have. So uh, these people were training to be in these Olympic type games, and so he was speaking to this kind of culture that was all into sports and whatever. And so he talks about it being a race. And for me, right now, I you know a lot of you know I rock climb. And it just came to the point where uh, I, I always did it for fun, you know. I just never really pushed myself too hard. Like, I try hard, but, like, I never trained or anything. And then one time, a pastor came up to me, like, two weeks ago. And he's just like, so what are you doing to give it your all? I was like, well, I, you know, I got a gym membership, and I go once a week and whatever. He's like, why don't you do it with excellence? Why don't you do it with everything you got? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I like, I just have too much to do. I have, I'm so busy. How, why would I sacrifice all that time and energy and, and whatever? But the point he made to me was a good one. Why don't you give something your all? Why do we try things half-heartedly? You see, in a marathon, there's different types of people. You have the people that sign up just for a t-shirt, right? The fat, lazy, slow people. And they're just trudging along and like waving, you know, and like I ran the 4K or whatever. And they never intended on winning. They just decided to run. Then there's the people that sprint and they're, they're running, but then they get tired and they get weary and they wind up being close to last. Then there's the people that have the steady pace. There's the people that have been training their entire lives and you look at them like, yeah, that guy's going to win because you know he's been working at this for a really long time. And then there's the people that I relate with. There's the people that are in the middle. They're like, well, I'm not last. But I'm not first either. And I'm okay with that. Because at least I'm, I'm faster than those people. But I'm never going to make it like those people. Because those people have been training their whole lives. And I kind of feel like that way with climbing. You know, It's like, why would I try so hard if I'm never going to be able to be as good as some of these people? Like right now, I'm being, I have a personal trainer. And he trains the national champion uh, of national bouldering series. He's won the past eight years in a row. <laughs> and I was joking with him. And I said, yeah, I want to beat him. And then I was thinking about it. It's like, why, why wouldn't I try my hardest to try to be him? And there's a part of you that's like, well, I know I'm not going to win. This person since birth has been doing this for a really long time. And you might know Christians in your own life, right? You look at them and you're like, well, I read my Bible. I serve at the church. I pray. You know, that's good. I don't need to go any harder than that because that person over there, that, that person's holy and they've been training their whole life for this. You know, they, they've been, they read the, the whole New Testament in, in five hours in one day. And that person, like, I'll never love the Bible as much as that person. I, I knew a person like that. There's a person in, who is a little bit older than me. He was like nine months older than me that I grew up with in church. And he lived, breathed, and ate the Bible, literally. I think he ate it once. I'm not joking. Okay, I'm joking. It's late. Um, and I saw how much he loved the Bible. I said, I will never love the Bible as much as that guy. He's just obsessed with it. It's just, he knows so much. And when you're around those people all the time, you get discouraged, right? Because those people look so holy. And you're like, well, I'll never be that high anyway. So why, why even bother aiming for the gold? But you see what he says here? 
He says, do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. He doesn't say there's about five people that are capable in this church of winning this competition. And five of you should really give it your all. He says, all of you stinking people better run as if your life were dependent on it. So let me ask you this. You're not stinking people yet. It's not that late in the evening. What type of runner are you? Where are you? Are you that person that's like, I'm not going to win anyway. Are you that person who's in the middle? I'm not trying that hard, you know. Or are you that person that says, I am giving everything I got to win that prize. I am giving it everything that I got. To be a champion, to be the person that wins, you need a couple of things. The first thing you need is motivation, right? You need, to be, you need to be motivated in order to win the race. And many of you might be asking this question right now. What's the point of running with everything you got if you're not even going to win? What's the point of giving it my all? What's the point of the sacrifice if I know that it's not going to end up in victory? Well, before I give you some reasons, let me ask you a different question. Why wouldn't you want to run to win? What's keeping you back? I think most of us, it's the fear of failure. We're afraid, right? We all look stupid. I was running for like the first... Okay, so I'm taking this climbing uh, training a little bit seriously. Enough to the point that I'm running for like the first time in my life. And any of you that just started running, like, you know how it is. Like, you run, and I ran for 10 minutes. I had to run for an hour. 10 minutes, I was done. Like, I wasn't even, I was like, like this, around my neighborhood. And I wore, like, this really flashy coat and so that people could see me. I looked like a complete dork. I had a headlamp and, like, anyway. I'm running around, and I'm, like, gasping for air at, like, the snail's pace. And there's a part of you that's like, you don't, want to be, you, don't want to look like, you don't want to look like you're trying that hard, right? Like when I was running last Monday, it was daytime. So I was like, oh no, everyone can see me. Everyone sees how like I'm running really slow and I'm panting really loud. And so like there'd be a, like a, you know, good looking lady walking by, walking her dog. And I'm like holding my breath. <clears throat> I'm not trying hard at all. Veins are like popping out and Brianna McGuire hates veins, so... Yes. Um, there's a part of us that doesn't want to look like we're trying very hard because we're afraid of other people critiquing us, making fun of us. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of giving it our all and then it not amounting to anything in the end. You know, the people of Israel said something profound. I read in my devotions two days ago. In Exodus chapter 14, you know, the people of Israel left Egypt they were going to the promised land. They finally got rid of Pharaoh after the ten plagues. We just had Passover. And they're like, awesome. We're free. Oh no, the Red Sea. Wow, thanks God. You led us to a dead end. What are we going to do? And so they actually yelled at the Lord and at Moses. And they said to us, hey, you really bring us out here to die? There's nowhere to go. And Egyptians are coming this way. We're cornered and here's a Red Sea. And like, Moses, it would be better to be slaves for the rest of our lives than to die. And logically, that does make sense, right? There's nothing wrong there. But they didn't take into account the fact that God just brought them out miraculously from Pharaoh's hand. Could he not do the same with the Red Sea? Now, this is exactly 
the, the problem that we have, and maybe you're going to say this too. You don't say it out loud, but this is what you think. It would be better to never try than to try and fail. That's your mentality. It would be better if I had never tried than to try and fail. But that's simply not true. A lot of us are discouraged. Some of us are running only on adrenaline. Like when I was, <laughs> when I was running and I was like literally about to pass out, um, I was just going like, I was trying to think of things to get me motivated, but I was getting like lightheaded and stuff. And you don't want to look like you're, like when you're running around people and there's people in the neighborhood, you don't want to stop because you don't want to look weak. And some of you are running your race, your Christian race, and you're trying really hard and you're pushing and you're reading and you're praying and doing all these things just because you don't want to have other, other people look at you and see you fail. So you're just running on fumes. Just, oh, just keep going, keep going to church. Keep going to youth group. I'm not getting anything out of the messages. I'm not, just, I'm not hearing God answer my prayers, but I'm praying anyway. I'm reading my Bible. I'm not getting anything. I'm just reading my Bible anyway. You're running on fumes, running on adrenaline, and you're not running with the right motivation. You see, if you're just running the race without being motivated, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going you're to stop. You need to have the right motivation to push you. So what is that motivation? Here's some motivations for going all out, and it's very simple. Three things. You need to remember the giver, the gift, and the guarantee. I hope all of, you, all of you remember this, and that's why it's easy to remember. And I said it in that kind of a way. The giver, the gift, and the guarantee. First of all, remember the giver. Okay, think about who Jesus is. Jesus Christ came into this world 2,000 years ago, died for people that would never see him in the flesh, you and I, but loved you so much that he took your sins, every single wrong thing that you've done, that you're ashamed of, that you've sought forgiveness for and haven't found it from other people, he died for those sins, even the sins that you don't even realize that you committed. He died for those sins too. Knowing that you have a choice. Believe in him or don't believe in him. And sadly, that consequently means that Jesus died for some people who would not choose him back. You ever love someone so much and they didn't reciprocate that feeling back? You ever care for someone and you're rejected in the end? You ever just do something selflessly? Maybe even not for the opposite sex. You've done it for a friend. You've done it for a family member. And yet, no matter how much you show that you care, they don't reciprocate that love back. How do you think that feels? Now think about Jesus who came to this world, who didn't just say, I'm going to try a little bit. He says, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give up all the Godhead powers and everything that I got. So that I would win you. So that you would see that it's possible for you to, to inherit eternal life if you put your trust in me. Now are we going to look at that and be like, thanks Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to try a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, I guess. It's hard. It's tiring. Or are we going to look at the love that God has for us? How deep his love. And say, you know what? 
my Christianity might cost me something because it cost Christ his life. Remember the giver, who it is that saved you. Secondly, remember the gift. Our crown, it says, is imperishable. Think about all those stupid things that people do and sacrifice for that don't amount to anything in the end. People try so hard for sports and so hard for like, okay, you receive a little bit of a reward, but it perishes. You know, people retire from sports at like 30 years old. And then what? You just live the dream. Yeah, the glory days when I was 25 and you're like 70 now, right? They work so hard for a crown that perishes. How much more? When you exert your energy for the Lord, nothing you give to Him is ever wasted. That's the guarantee. The guarantee that God will never take any effort that you, you give to Him and be like, oh, well, thanks a lot. No, nothing you ever give to the Lord is ever wasted. And here's the, the thing. Um, I kind of skipped over the gift a little bit. But I'm going to guarantee and I'll go back to the gift. Because it just said, wait, nice. This is what the Bible says in uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. How many of us have prayed the prayer, Lord, would you make yourself real to me? Would you show yourself to me? Maybe you don't believe it. Maybe you don't think it's worth living this life all out for God. Maybe you just don't even care anymore. That's okay. Have you prayed? Have you sought the Lord? He says, listen, if you simply ask me, I'm going to give you everything that I got. You're not even going to have enough room to take in all the blessings that I have for you. He also says in Psalm 81.10, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You just got to open your mouth. I say, I'm hungry. I want this. I need it. You got the guarantee that, you know, like, for me, if you ask me, how hard am I trying with climbing, training? Yeah, I have a personal trainer now. And to the, everyone else, it looks like I'm trying hard, right? But I know how hard I'm pushing myself. No one else knows. I know I haven't started dieting yet. Like, I've joked around about giving up chocolate and cookies. You, you guys have no idea how much of a problem it is. Like, I, I have a chocolate bag on my desk. Like, in every room, there's chocolate. Because <laughs> I love chocolate so much. And there's a part of me that's not ready to give up dieting. Or is not ready to start dieting. And that's just, if I'm honest with you, there's a part of me that's like, well, what's the point? Why sacrifice all the chocolate and all the cookies and all the cake if I'm not even going to win? What is the point in all that? But realize, anything you give up for the Lord is never wasted. That time you spend in, in Bible study, the time you spend praying, the time you, you spend seeking the Lord is never wasted. It always bears fruit. Whether you see it in this life or not. The gifts. Our crown is imperishable. You know, store up your treasures in heaven. It's worth the sacrifice. It is so worth the sacrifice. If you think about the fact that God gives good gifts to people. But here's the thing. Think about your favorite food. I don't know what it is. What's your favorite food? Someone tell me. So you wake up. Hamburgers, pizza. Hamburger, pizza. What else? What else you guys got? Ramen. Ibudo. What? Sushi. 
right? Sushi is an interesting thing. If you try to describe it to people, raw fish. Like, uh, no thank you. But if you taste and see that the sushi is good, the goodness of the sushi leads you to repentance. And you go back to the person, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't believe you, but it's so good. Alright, so when you're describing your favorite food, whatever it is, I have something that's my favorite food. I can tell you about it. I can explain why it's good for you. It's healthy. I can put it in front of you and say, smell it. See how good it is? You can touch it. You can poke it. You can sniff it. I don't know. You can snort it. Don't snort it. It's getting late. But, we'll edit that out. Shh. Until you taste it, you will not know how good it is. It's the same thing with God. I can appeal to you. I can say God is worth the sacrifice. Anything you give up for the Lord is never wasted. I can tell you all these things, but until you actually taste and see that the Lord is good, you won't know for yourself. It's not by looking. It's not by feeling around. It's by experiencing the Lord that you really know it's worth everything. You must have the motivation for going out, the gift, the giver, the guarantee. And you also must have self-control. And it says in verse 25, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate just means self-controlled. And so these Corinthian Olympians, I rhymed unintentionally, these people would train for 10 months minimum before they were even allowed to be in the games. So they'd abstain from unwholesome food, from wine. They'd abstain from sexual conduct and all these things because they're training and they're so focused on the things that they wanted to do, that race that they wanted to win. What do you have to cut out of your diet? What's holding you back? When you're racing cars, you know, I had a friend, like, we used to be all into cars and that's why I got my MR2 and I just got inspected today it passed I was happy uh, back in the day we used to like talk about racing drag racing and whatever and there comes a point where it's more efficient to strip metal and to strip weight from inside a car than it is to add power so the lighter and I always thought it was dumb I was like I'm not gonna like just em- gun out my car it looks dumb but my friend was all into that kind of stuff But there comes a point where you have to start cutting off excess weight from your life. So what is it for you? Is it sin that you keep stumbling back into that sin? Is it spending time with friends that always bring you down? Is it an unhealthy relationship? Whatever it is, it might even be a good thing. It might be even a, a good thing that's in your life. It's just not contributing to your race. And you have to say, I have to cut it out. You know, when you're training for something, sometimes people use hypergravity training. They'll put ankle weights on. If you're a runner or if you're a climber, you put on like a body vest with 20 pounds or whatever in it so that you become stronger. But no one runs a race with ankle weights on. There comes a time where you have to let it go. It can be a good thing. It may, may make you stronger, but there comes a point in which you have to let go of that thing. A good thing can be a bad thing if it keeps you from the best thing. So what is, it, what is it that's holding you back? In my life, I've had to make a lot of sacrifices that are good sacrifices. I knew coming into this position of youth ministry, I knew I would have to stop playing music with my band. 
I just knew it. I can play concerts and at the same time teach Bible studies. It's just too much at the same time. I knew I'd have to stop. Uh, I'd have to give up acting. I couldn't just go into the city whenever I wanted because I had a nine to five job. There are sacrifices that I had to make, but I knew that it was worth it if it meant I got to spend my time with you guys. Yes, one can get all. No, please don't clap. That's bad. Why do we hold on to the weights? Maybe you're like me. You went into Wegmans the other day, and you're with Josh Bonring, and as you're walking around, like, going to die, going to die, and then you see organic Reese's, that you, and you remember having them from, like, two years ago, and you just found them in Wegmans. Like, oh, I've been looking for these for a long time. And you find them, and you're like, I deserve this. I deserve the Reese's. And you just buy them, and you eat them. All of them. The whole bag yourself. You don't even share with your parents. You're like, they don't even like Reese's. I just eat them all myself. But to be the best, you have to make some sacrifices that other people won't understand sometimes. You yourself know how far you can push yourself. Other people may not understand why you don't go to rated R movies. Oh my gosh. What? You're not going to a rated R movie? What's wrong with you? You're like, just weird. I'm not saying it's bad to go to rated R movies. I mean, Passion of the Christ was a rated R movie, okay? I'm not saying that. But some of you may make sacrifices that other people have no idea what you're doing. Why are you doing that? Why would you deprive yourself of that thing? Maybe it's the way that you talk, your language. I'm not going to use that, that word anymore. Other people say, it's not a bad word. Yeah, but you know what? It's not worth it to me. Some of you may cut out drinking from your life entirely. Say, well, you know what? Okay, maybe it's not technically a sin to drink, but you know what? It's not worth it to me. I'm going to cut off all the excess weight if it means I gain Jesus. As Paul says, I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing God. God has called us to be holy, every single one, to pursue the prize. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You realize that God's calling you, personally? Not just like five people here. He's calling every single one of you to walk worthy of that calling. Are you despising it? Are you saying, well, if only I was thinner, if only I was more attractive, if only I was smarter, then I would be able to do the things that that person does. No, God is calling you to your own calling, your own race. You also need focus. Verse 25, the second half says, they do it to obtain a a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which, which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the other thing you need to realize. You're running a race. Sometimes you're discouraged because you're looking at everybody else. We talked about that before. Don't look at other people's races. Look at Jesus. Jesus made the way possible because he gave up all his Godhead powers and said, listen, follow me. Don't follow other people. Don't compare yourself with other people's walks. You ask yourself, how do I look in comparison to Jesus? How can I model his life? Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says, 
these powerful words. It says, not, not that I have already attained, Paul said, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm forgetting about those things in the past. My focus is on the future. I'm not going to think about all the mistakes I've made. I'm not going to think about all the things that people have said to me. I'm not even thinking about the good things in my past. I'm going to focus on Jesus. If you want to live a miserable life, if you want to, you want to have a miserable race, run your race looking over your shoulder. Think about Lot's wife. Fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah and turning back. All that I've left behind. Really? What have you sacrificed? What are you leaving behind? Is it really worth it? I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself here. I know how hard I'm pushing myself. And yes, I know I could push a little bit harder. The same physically and it is spiritually. There's a part of us that says, yeah, I'm so, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'll do it. Whatever it takes. Yeah, I'm going to wake up 5 in the morning tomorrow. And then you wake up tomorrow at 5 in the morning, your alarm goes off, and you're like, how oh, is this crazy guy? And you hit the snooze button. Right? What's with us? Why is it that we're not running with endurance? We're in a different year. We're in 2014. It's already like halfway through the year now. What are we doing? How are, how are we running? Are we running looking over our shoulder? Are we running with regret? Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Are we going to say, I have no regrets because I'm looking forward and at what Jesus has done because he laid hold of me first. I also will lay hold of what he has for me. And I don't care what I have to sacrifice. I don't, I don't care what I have to give up, whether it's friends, relationships, family, people, things. I don't care because it's worth the sacrifice. But like I said, I can say that to you and you, don't, you won't believe me. Because unless you taste and see that the Lord is good, it's not going to make any sense. And believe me, I'm in that same position with you. I know what it's like to be in the middle and not see any higher calling on your life. Before I was in ministry, you know, just kind of like college years, maybe even before that, I was... There, right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle, and I knew I wasn't pushing myself, and I was okay with that. Yeah, I'm not a Jesus freak. Every now and then I'll witness if I have to, but I'm a pretty good person compared to everyone else. Don't look at everyone else, compare yourself to Jesus, because it is so worth it when you do. When you're preparing yourself now for the things God has for you, you're like, wow, thank God I read my Bible because God was calling me to be in youth ministry. And if I haven't read my Bible before, I wouldn't be able to teach you. <laughs> so many of us are despising our calling, not realizing that God's preparing us for something bigger. Champions must also have determination, not only focus, but determination. Verse 26, it says, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. We're not running aimlessly. We're not just like, oh, I'm going to run. I'm going to get the t-shirt and we're going to get the jacket. We're running with purpose. I, I have my eyes on the prize. I'm chasing the crown. And you'll talk to the person. You ever see a person with determination on their, on their face? 
with focus. They're ready. You can tell them one thing. I'm like, nope, I got a commitment. Nope, I got to do this. This one thing. I'm willing to sacrifice everything else for that one thing. It was like, hey man, you should come out and like, I know people like, you know, my friends that aren't saved. Hey man, come out and party with us. And, no, not, not going to do that. Why not, man? You're so lame. Why would I do that? Why would I give up everything that I have for something so fleeting and so dumb? But you know what? When you're sitting in the middle, you have no idea where you are anymore when you're lost in a crowd. I found out this cool scientific fact my friend shared with me the other day. He read in a magazine that the reason why if you're looking over a cliff, you get that feeling in your stomach, like that pain in your stomach, it kind of drops is because your mind can't determine a slope where it's safe to stand and where you're going to fall over. It's the same thing with our Christian life. You don't know how far you have to stand before you fall, where you're standing on the line of sin. Verse 26 of the second half, it says, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He's, when he says that, he's talking about, I'm not shadow boxing, I'm not practicing. I'm not just doing this for show. I'm literally doing something about this. I'm not just a bunch of talk. I'm not just saying I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and not really going to do I'm going to do something about my life. Your actions must follow. Otherwise, we're just hypocrites. Yeah, let's get hyped up. Yeah, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to do this this year. 2014, yeah. And then you leave here and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I am so weary. I deserve another Reese's. I deserve something else only you know how hard you can push yourself and you're going to be judged not for your outcome but by your obedience by the motives of your heart the bible says who are we in our private lives when no one else is looking when no one else sees are you praying are you seeking jc ryle said this True holiness, we surely ought to remember, does not consist merely of inward sensations and impressions. It is much more than tears and sighs and bodily excitement and a quickened pulse and a passionate feeling of attachment to our own favorite preachers and our own religious party and a readiness to quarrel with everyone who does not agree with us. It is something of the image of Christ which can be seen and observed by others in a private life, habits, characters, and doings. Almost done. Champions must also have discipline. Here's what he says in verse 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Here's what he is literally saying in the Greek. He says, I beat my body to a pulp and make it my slave. That's what he says. The Bible says it. I don't say that. He recognizes your flesh wants to do one thing and your spirit wants to do something else. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, right? You are so motivated, but you know, somewhere inside of you, there's, there's a war. There's a different passion inside of you. And that's why Paul says, I recognize it, and that's why I'm beating the snot out of it. I'm making it my slave, putting it under subjection. Because I recognize if I let it lord over me, it's going to make me do a lot of things I don't want to do. And let me just take a second to speak to people that aren't Christians here today. Sin will always hurt you. Sin is just missing the mark. God says, this is the way to live your life. This is how you get the most out of it. 
sin is missing that mark. Imperfection. Say, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. All right, you do that. Man, I'm going to party and get drunk and all these things and whatever I want to do. Be sexually promiscuous and, and then you wind up with a lot of heart, heartache and hurt and pain. Not just for yourself, but other people and the family members that you hurt and the people that you have to confront after going to rehab over and over and over. And some of you are watching your friends. They're a little bit older, like, oh man, I have a cool friend who's like 20 and he like smokes weed and they're like, yeah, yeah, hanging out with them all the time, we're cool, like, I'm 16, I'm hanging out with someone who's 20, this is awesome, and they're a bad example, you know what, where they're going to be in 20 years? In jail. You really want to model your life after that person? It's not a joke. There are a lot of people that are just stuck in the moment, saying, yeah, I'll live for the moment, not realizing that living for the moment means that you don't believe there's any particular moment worth living for. But the people that are in a race says, no, there is a moment worth living for, and that's the day that I am crowned. So Paul recognizes this. He beats his body in subjection. He says, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going all out. I don't care what it takes. Here's some training tips for you, for me. Find someone who can push you, the same level. You know, if you're ever playing basketball with someone, I'm just using that as an example because that's, you know, the way I grew up. Playing basketball with someone, you want to play with someone who's a little bit better than you, not someone who can cream you. Because you're going to get discouraged time after time after time. It's just like, oh, you're always going to lose. And if you win, it's only because he let you. You're like, oh, yeah, it's only because he gave me the ball like 50 times and put a handicap on himself. You need to play with someone who's a little bit better than you. Same thing with your Christian walk. Not saying that you can't hang out with people that really love God and stuff like that, but find someone who's going to push you. Iron sharpening iron, stirring and spurring one another on to loving good deeds. Hey man, I had this great idea for a Bible study. Why don't, we, why don't we try this next time we hang out? Awesome. Don't sprint. Gradually build up endurance. When I was running, I, I like literally... I ran so hard and my legs just died. I almost tripped over myself and collapsed. Because I can't expect myself to be able to run a marathon just after running once. And some of us are like, yeah, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a day. Oh my gosh, that was a long time. And then you're just really discouraged and then you want to run away. No, you need to gradually build up endurance. That's like anything. And you might feel awkward at first. You're like, I'm going to raise my hands and worship. Oh, that's really weird. Never doing that ever again. Wow. All right, I'm going to witness to that person. Oh my gosh, my heart was going to beat out of my chest and I never want to do that ever again. It might feel weird at first. It's because you're not used to it. But you're going to build endurance as you keep setting small goals. And that's what I found as I was running too. It's like if I just kept on saying, okay, next trash can is when I'll quit. And then you get to that next trash can and you put another trash can. And that's when I'll stop running. I'll start walking instead. You need to have small goals rather than I'm going to run five miles right now. Here I go. Like you're going to just get really discouraged and you get burned out. Sadly, uh, a lot of people don't realize that. And finally with that, Soreness is good. If you're sore the next day after working out, that means you're getting stronger. And if you're working hard, you're reading, your brain is fried, it's a good thing. Final point today, and we're going to close. Verse 27 says, Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What does he mean by that? Well, Paul's saying... When he's talking about preaching, he's talking about there's an announcer, like an MC at every competition, every event, every race. Person who gives all the rules, the same person crowns the winner. And he's saying, I'm that person. 
but I don't just want to like watch people. I want to race. I want to run. And he says, but the person who announces the rules has to abide by the rules, otherwise he gets disqualified. Now this isn't talking about losing salvation. It's talking about the person who loses their reward. The person who's on the boat that's in the middle of a storm on the sea, and they're tossed to and fro on the boat all the time. They never fall off the boat, never become unsaved, never lose their salvation, but they're never able to stand up. And some of you are going to get knocked over and over and over and over because you're not, you're not playing by the rules. You're not looking unto Jesus. Howard Hendricks once described the local church as a football game. 22 people on the field badly in need of arrest and 40,000 in the stands badly in need of exercise. How many of us have become spectators in our Christian walk? Yeah, look at that guy go. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, let's cheer him on. Yeah, you're on fire. How many of you are listening right now like, yeah, Alan, go for it. Yeah, try hard in that climbing training. Yeah, you, you do that. You do that Jesus thing. That's awesome. Do that. How many of us are just spectators and how many of us are like, yeah, I want that too. I think I could beat him. I think I could take him on. I don't know when that day will come. But there's got to there's be a day in which you, you come with a determination and the motivation. And one day you're just like, I'm going all out. I'm going to chase that crown. Now what if you're apathetic? What if you're tired? What if you're, you're running and you're like, what is keeping me going? I just want to quit. I am so sick and tired of this. What will keep you going? Well, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 through 31 says, God gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Many of you here right now are tired and sleepy. It's okay, because I am too. And as I'm preaching, I'm falling asleep. Some of you are already tired, and that's okay, because that happens. The key is relying on Jesus to renew your strength, to wait on Him. Turn to Revelation chapter 3 real quick. This is where we're going to end. Revelation chapter 3, and we'll be done. It's a letter written to the church of Sardis. It says, The angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will know... You will not know what hour I will come upon you. The church in Sardis was an interesting church. The city of Sardis had these unclimbable towers, these fortress walls that they were so confident in their defense that they wouldn't even guard them. They're like, yeah, no one's going to be able to climb these walls. Except Alan Kahn, but he lives 3,000 years in the future. And hit And because of that, they didn't have guards over them on a regular basis. 
But what happened is the city was captured twice because a guy was watching, waiting for the defense to, to leak something or to show a secret passage. A guy dropped a helmet once and then he went down off the walls to go get his helmet and a secret passage that was climbable. And that's how they penetrated the city. When the guard was down. Some of us are going to have the enemy slip up or sneak up on a day that we're not ready. On a day that we're just like, yeah, I'm running. I'm just like coasting, just cruising. Not realizing you're on a downward escalator. And you're standing up thinking that, oh, I'm not moving anywhere. I'm just, you know, cruising. But really, you're backsliding. Don't let that thief be Jesus who catches you on judgment day and says, what were you doing? Oh, you know, I was just kind of chilling here and just waiting. Be the person that's like, man, I knew you'd be, I knew you'd be here. I was waiting for you. I was ready for you. All that to say, I'm going to take this year a little bit differently. So you guys can watch me, you can spectate, or you can run with me. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to try. Lord, help me try. I'm going to try my best. And I feel like sometimes you need some physical discipline and be like, all right, I'm going to train and do those things. And your, your spiritual life kind of falls in that same way. But whatever it is, I'm not saying be legalistic and you don't need it for salvation, but how good it is to be rewarded by the Lord when you're giving it your all. It's such a pleasure. It's such a joy. And so, I want you guys to watch me for the next year. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I want you to look at my life. I'm putting my life online here and be like, all right, let me know if you see a difference. Do I get faster? Am I running harder? And hopefully, you'll look at that and not be like... (laughs) But you'd be like, you know what? I want to run harder too. I want to chase the crown. Not looking behind, not looking over my shoulder, not looking at other people, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. The one who ran the race before us.